Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. We got AG Aaron Gershon from the Catspaws.com. The former UK quarterback Jalen Whitlow. Fellas, how y'all doing? Doing pretty good, man. Just uh getting back to Lexington after a couple days in Houston for uh McDonald's All American, but can't complain. All good stuff. Speaking of Houston, we got a we got a guest on here with us who is Houston to the core. A Rice Owl as a player, back on staff for Rice now, played in the major leagues, and look, Red's country is Kentucky, so we got a mm-hmm. former Red here, former MLB here, played for my Braves and the Orioles as well. We got Yanni, Paul Yanish in here. Paul, man, thanks for hopping on here with us this evening. No, for sure, Benny. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, a, I'm excited to be on with you guys. I, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, we are in Houston getting ready to get some of that Final Four action going on. So there's there's a lot going on down here right now. I gotta ask this. This is this might be a little bit weird, but you being a Rice Owl, the Florida Atlantic Owls made a lot of noise. They're not your Rice Owls, but an Owl is, is. Are you happy that you know some Owls have been hooting in the Final Four? Yeah, yeah. So we gotta <laughs> we, we gotta show some love for the for all the Owls, right? No, it's actually kind of ironic. We, we got a a weekend series. We're flying on. I'm flying to Florida this weekend to play against Florida Atlantic, the baseball team. And the, uh, obviously their basketball teams is, is making some noise, like you said. So I, I'm hoping that the, uh, that their baseball team is going to be hung over after watching some of their games. Uh, don't mind. They're, they're actually, fine. my brother is an FAU student, so I'm actually repping the shirt okay. today. So don't take it okay. personally. Man. Uh, no, man. That's, that's uh, just you all got, You got to represent. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, watching them, uh, conference USA, man, they have a chance to have a, a trifecta and, uh, basketball uh charlotte won the cbi i think it's an all cb uh nit final and then fau so pretty cool yeah yeah no doubt yeah and so were you always wanting to coach did you like when i retire from the mlb i'm gonna be a coach did you man i'll be honest with you i had no idea had no intention of coaching so i went to rice like you guys mentioned and had the opportunity to play for a long time. I was about 35 when I got done playing three kids, you know, the whole deal. And so I, I came back to rice to finish my degree. I was fully intending on going into some private equity type stuff, some real estate development type stuff. You know, the whole deal was going to try to figure out a way to make a bunch of money, uh, post plan. And, and, uh, I, I helped out with the team when I was finishing up my degree. And I had, if you had told me five years ago, I was going to be still coaching at rice on staff. I would have told you you were crazy, but, that being said, man, it's 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 been a lot of fun. The, the NCAA landscape in, in all sports in general, as I think we could all agree, has gotten a little goofy and probably going to keep doing it with with everything that's transpired here the last couple of years. The whole – on the baseball front, the recruiting happens at such a young age now. It's gotten goofy. The whole NIL deal, the transfer portal has, has, has changed the whole landscape. But all that to say, man, it's still pretty cool being involved, number one, with baseball, which which is obviously a passion of mine. And and number two is, you know, it's it's a different dynamic being at the college level versus the pro level. I mean, there's 
you know, dealing with 18 to 22 year old males, you know, you get the opportunity to, to hopefully influence them and in, in more, more good than bad. But you also, they, they keep you honest and they drive you crazy. Cause I think we can all attest guys that are at that age that, that they have a tendency to do some dumb things. So we got to, we, we raise the volume from time to time. You know what I mean? Sure. For sure. Hey, y'all jump in anytime. Don't let me just be. Yeah, no, I think when you look at college baseball, Paul, you mentioned some of the goofy things that go on. And one of the things I haven't been able to stand as someone who covers the sport is the three paid assistants. And I think that's finally changing. Right. I believe this summer. Just how big is that for college baseball and how overdue? Yeah, to your point, it, it, it's it's hard to believe that it took so long to to get accomplished. That being said, it is. And you're right. July 1st this year, technically it goes into effect and you can have, you know, that extra guy out on the road and all this stuff in terms of the recruiting side of things. And it's it, it just makes sense. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, you have I don't know the exact number of guys, coaches on a football staff or, or what have you, but relative to, to baseball, which we have 35 guys available to be on the roster starting next year, you're going to be able to have 40 guys on the roster. It, it, it just makes sense. So it will help alleviate some of the, you know, shoulder some of the, the workload on a day-to-day basis, but in particular on the recruiting front, I think is, is arguably where it'll, it'll have a pretty significant impact also. I don't know how baseball does it with the, you know, partial scholarships and we got 11.372 guys coming back next year. <laughs> oh, this guy's going to go pro it's to the ridiculous. draft. Now we got to recalibrate. It's unbelievable how you put together rosters from one year to the next. It's so tough, man, on that front. And, and I, again, the, the NIL deal, at least at the top of the food chain and, and, you know, your power five conferences, I think is helping on that front because they're, they're being, a, they're, they're able to supplement um, in a, in a unique way from a financial standpoint, I think, but you're exactly right. Like it, trying to piece that together over 35 guys, you know, dividing up the 11.7, trying to guesstimate on the draft and then having to get on the phone with, with people over the summer to say, Hey man, can I might need to borrow 10, 15%. I might need to take 20% from you. I'll give it back to you next year or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. It, it's, it, it's tough, but it, at the end of the day, it's part of it, man. It's, we, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those speed bumps that we deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Now you being from, from Houston, through and through, that's your city. Up here in Kentucky is Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Tennessee. How do you decide that you are a Rice guy or UH? And what's that rivalry like? How did you, you know? So the rivalry's real, right? It, um, you know, at least going back to even when I was in school, we, uh, you know, Houston's a big city. It's a saturated environment with regards to talent. And I don't care what sport you're talking about, right? Like if it's basketball, football, baseball, like you can talk about whatever you want. There's some good talent that comes out of the Houston area and Texas in general, but, um, you know, at this point now we're, you know, I'm buddies with that coaching staff over there. We know their players pretty good and all that, but I know our players, they go back and forth with each other. But at the end of the day, most of these guys grew up playing against each other and they know each other and the way that the travel, you know, youth travel ball works now, everybody knows everybody's social media and the whole deal. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little friendlier maybe than what it used to be, I guess is the best way to say it. But, um, (laughs) You know, I got I got love for those guys over U of H, but um, it's it's I wouldn't change it if if you're asking me, I'd go to Rice all over again. <laughs> how far is uh how far is Rice from U of H? It's only like from a, a distance standpoint, it's only like four or five miles. It's not far at all. Oh wow! Now, depending on the, depending on the time of day, it might take you like forty five minutes to get over there. But no. it uh we're 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 actually really close. Is is U of H downtown? That's downtown, right? It's yeah, it's like just outside that. Like we're essentially both 
on different sides of downtown. But yeah, ultimately we're 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 very close to downtown. Gotcha, gotcha. If NIL had been a thing when you were at Rice, you being from Houston, who would you have linked up with, and and you know, to get an endorsement deal, and and who would you know product would you have been hawking and all that kind of stuff? Man, it's you know money talks, right? So you know, would have <laughs> probably would have been been a fan of figure it out as we go but it's uh you know rice is a unique place it's a, it's an academic place our our you know what we sell is academics and, and in terms of the network that you have access to when you get done going to school here and you know i i, I joke about it when i'm recruiting because you know at, at some of the bigger schools you know people talk about getting whether it's 10 15 20 and in some cases it's 75 100 grand you know maybe on top of the the cost to go to school and what i'm selling is that that's that's not to discredit 10 or 15 grand. Right. But it, what I'm telling you is like, if you come to rice, you graduate from rice, 10, 15, 50, 75 grand, like over the course of life, like that ain't going to be a lot of money. So I'm trying to sell the, the 40 year picture versus the, you know, two to four year picture where, you know, you're going to make a little, little cash on the side versus being able to provide for your family in a unique way. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Definitely makes sense. I didn't mention it too at the beginning, but you know, Kentucky being Reds country and you playing for the Reds. Mm-hmm. You also host the Farm to the Show podcast with yeah, Chris Dickerson, yeah. also on the Believe Network. So tell everybody that's, you know, Reds fans in Kentucky what they'll get when they tune into y'all's podcast. Yeah, so we just started doing it, man. We're, we're kind of excited. So Dickie and I played together, and we've known each other forever. And, you know, they when they came and asked us to start doing that, we were excited about it. I, I've been wanting to get into that space for a little while. And, you know, over the it's – it's been fun to start. We're just getting going, like I said, but with opening day tomorrow, we, we, we actually did, a, we recorded this morning talking about opening day, the roster and whatnot. And, and, you know, that's a unique part of the country with regards to the Reds, right? Like Reds fans go back, you know, all the way back into the big red machine. And it's, it's just a super loyal fan base. So I know they're fired up. They're trying to, they're trying to turn that roster over there up there in Cincinnati and get back on top of it. Right. And, um, but, th- but that's most of what we cover. We're, we're going to, we're going to talk some trash to each other about, you know, some of the things that we think and feel about, about other things, but most of what we're doing is covering the Reds and trying to be, trying to, to, to be part of, of following them as they kind of reestablish themselves, hopefully as, as a contender in that NL Central. I was listening to your, your episode, I guess, four about the World Baseball Classic. I yeah, think, yeah. I think Dickerson said that, well, you know, Japan is five and zero, and you're like, well, they got that way because they won the most games, and you're, y'all start just like, you know, busting each other. <laughs> yeah, the so he's like, yeah, Japan's five and zero, and he was trying to say something to the effect of like, you know, how are they five and zero? I'm like, well, because they hadn't lost yet, man. That's why they're five and zero. They hadn't lost. But uh, no, the the WBC is cool, man. I don't know what y'all think about it, but I I, it. from a from a baseball fan, man, I think it's so cool to see people from all over the world and. You know, the, the example I used was the Czech Republic team, which is, you know, it's so cool for them to be planting the seed of baseball over there. And, like, they get into – just getting into the tournament was a significant deal for them versus the Japan team, which I think we can all agree. I mean, obviously they won the WBC this year, but from a from a talent perspective and a level of baseball perspective, they're they're a, a power globally, right? And we got – their guys are starting to come over to the big leagues and have an immense amount of success. And so I, I just think – from a from a global standpoint, from a baseball standpoint, it's it's just it's just really cool to see. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Uh, going back to Rice, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys are transitioning to the American next year. Just uh, yeah. I know that there are some good teams in Conference USA. Dallas Baptist is one that stands out every year. But uh, what is that going to do for Rice baseball going forward? I, man, I, it can't do anything but help. So the, the Americans is obviously a little bit stronger conference from a from a monetary standpoint. It's going to be good for our university. I think it'll be good for our football team, which ultimately I think is 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 it helps everybody in the athletic program, right? Um, selfishly for baseball, it, it'll help as well. Just from a exposure standpoint, you know, from a strength of schedule and all of those types of things. I mean, right now in that conference, you know, East Carolina has kind of been in the driver's seat for for the you know in, in recent past and i think that they're they're not going anywhere in the short term so you know from a from a level of play standpoint it'll be good and it, it's just exciting like i said at the end of the day it's just a little bit better conference and uh, although that that being said man I, you guys figured out i, I don't know there's you know there's so much changing within so conferences <laughs> and i don't know i don't know what's going to happen in the in the in the future with regards to you know they some people talk about there's going to be a super conference at some point where it's you know <laughs> it, it's just everybody doing their own deal so I don't know. I don't, I don't keep track of that. I'm just trying to keep my head above water over here, man. <laughs> I don't blame it, man. It's crazy. That's all you can do. Going back to opening day, you talked about you recorded an episode, you know, opening day, red specific. As a player, what's it like opening day being a member of the Cincinnati Reds? Opening day is more special in that city to that franchise than any other MLB squad. So, What's that like for you to go into a season opening day being on the Reds? So a couple of things, man. So I got drafted by Cincinnati. I came up through their organization. And so being in the big leagues with them, you know, on opening day was pretty significant because I was, that was the first couple of go rounds that I got to do that. So it's, like I said, Cincinnati will always have a soft spot, but the, the, the opening day festivities, the whole grand parade deal, you know, the, the, the flyover, the, all the stuff, man, it's just, they do the red carpet, you come out and the whole, the whole deal. It's, it's just unique, kind of like what you're describing. And I, I don't know, to me, it's, it, it's, it's like a culmination of, okay, I'm standing out here on this, on this first base foul line on the home side in, in Cincinnati doing something that, you know, like I'm sitting in a little league complex right now, right. We're, we're watching my kid play and there's these deals all over the country. There's I'm coaching in college baseball right now. You got college players all over the place that would, would love to do nothing more than that. So to me, I just vividly remember thinking to myself, like, damn it, this is pretty cool. You, you know what I mean? And, and so th those are just some of the things that stick out. And the fact that it's still cold up in Cincinnati on opening day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> being, being, being from Houston, man, that's not something I, you, you never get used to that cold up there. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. I don't even think about that, but that's true. <laughs> yeah, your, your blood is a lot thinner, and, hey, that is. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But it, it, it all that to say, too, like, it, it's just super cool. Like, I, I love the, the the thought, thinking back, and, like, some of the guys that, like I was saying, I'm, I'm paying attention to the, to the Reds right now, and they're, they're opening their roster. They got a few guys where it's going to be their first opening day in the big leagues, right? And so I think more about opening day from that standpoint where you got guys that are kind of getting those emotions over the – you know, the, the, the veteran guys who are kind of, you know, business as usual that I'm sure that they obviously enjoyed as well, but it, there's nothing like that, that first opening day where you're, like I said, kind of a culmination of a, of, of a long period of time and hard work and the whole deal and, and, and a little bit of luck too, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now going back to the, uh, the WBC, you mentioned how, mm -hmm. how much you enjoyed it. What from the WBC 
if you could, would you implement into MLB? What aspects of it would you? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I don't know. So the WBC is operating kind of on the um, the, the quote-unquote old rules, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the pitch clock. They don't have the bases. They don't have the, you know, some of the some of that newer stuff that's being implemented at the major league level. So those games take longer. It's, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to spring training, but yep. I was paying attention because of the of our deal. And, and man, the games are like, Dude, it's going quick, man. Like twenty six minutes is the average. Oh, it's a, it's a joke, man. So, I I appreciate that philosophically, but you know, on the flip side, I'm curious to see how it actually applies in the real season when you got like a a real situation and a real game that matters, and like the eighth inning, and they're trying to call mm-hmm. a ball or a strike on a hitter. That you know, I I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But um, but to answer your question, I, I'm not sure. I I just I'll, I'll say this. What I appreciate about the WBC is that it's unique. The, the 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 emotion that is involved with that I, I love I'm just going to use like whether it's Venezuela Dominican you know Puerto Rico some of those Latin countries as the example the how big of a deal it is right and so historically the United States seems caught in a little caught, caught a little flack for maybe not caring as much quote unquote you know they don't have all their guys but hey man I'm telling you right now like that roster they had this year was real mm-hmm. so I, I think that it's cool to see like you can't really make that argument anymore. I, I, I think that the USA guys have shown like, look, man, you had some guys calling Mark DeRosa, who is the manager for the USA team saying, Hey dude, I want to be on that team, man. Um, so I, I just appreciate it from that standpoint. I think it's again, going back to like the macro view, I, I think it's just good for the, the, the game of baseball, the business of baseball, like globally. I, I don't know. I, I like it kind of being unique and, and, you know, MLB is one thing and that's, they do their deal and they're, they're you know, changing the rules and all that stuff, which is fine. I got no problem with it. But I, I think the WBC doing its own deal is, is pretty cool. Is every three years about right? Or you wish it was every two or is it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I could get on board with it being every other year. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think so. But, you know, the, the, the three-year deal works. I, what I will say is I'm, I'm curious to see if they make an adjustment on the timing of it because – Mm. it's tough it's tough and, and there, i don't know that there is a good time for everybody right like there's really not if you if you really sit down and think about it but um that's the one aspect that i'm curious to see if, if they if they make an adjustment on to try to you know more accommodate everybody but it, it, at the end of the day as long as it's not during the actual big league season which which i don't think is actually doable um you know i, I think it's you guys will guys are going to make adjustments to their schedules to make it work Makes sense. Being from Houston, look, I, I'm a Rockets fan, so okay, yeah, um, man. But people outside of Houston, is Houston a baseball city? Would you say that? It, I mean, the Astros' success, but you know, would how would you describe the city from that standpoint as as what type of sports city it is? Man, I, it's hard to say. I, so I'm I'm a little biased, right? And you got to understand, the Astros are rolling right now, bud. Like. You can't yeah, as a Yankee without... fan, I know it. Yeah, yeah. Tough. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, tough break, tough break. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And and so I'm still tied to the Astros because my man Dusty Baker, who I'm sure you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with, obviously he managed the Reds when I was there, but mm. and he's he's the manager for the Astros now. So I'm I'm I still keep in touch with him, and I'm tight with him, and uh, so I'm rooting for those guys. Just if for nothing else, just for Dusty, I was pretty fired up for him to get the World Series, obviously last year, but um. I, so I would tell you right now it's more of a baseball town because the, the Texans are struggling a little bit right now trying to get back onto it. The Rockets are kind of in a rebuilding deal, obviously, as well. Um, I'm with you. Like, I grew up watching the Rockets and, you know, watched a couple back-to-back championships back in the day with 
you know, Clyde the Glide and obviously Hakeem Olajuwon, those kind of deals. I mean, we're going way back, but but um, mm-hmm. it uh, it is a it's a it's a good city though for sports in general. I mean, we got an MLS team as well, and it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a good city. And if you like food, man, this is where you need to come come visit. I'm just <laughs> telling you, I man. I, man I, I lived in Dallas for a short time, man, and I thought Dallas was a good food place. Shit, man, I gained yeah. ten pounds in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So it's similar. It's similar. So I, I, I don't know what kind of food you like or whatever, but we got whatever you want. It's uh, from that standpoint, man. This, it's, it's kind of a, it's a mesh of a lot of different types of people, cuisine, food, the whole deal. So it's, it's a, it's a cool spot, man. Yeah, I know my cousins live there, man. They, they love it, you know. And it's a definitely a big, you know, no need to even say this, but definitely a big football scene there. Uh, oh gosh, oh man, it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's a high school as a high school football coach, man. It's hard to get better than Dallas and Houston. No, you're right, man. You're right, and it's it's like I said, it don't matter what sport you're you're trying to look for, recruit, or pay attention to. There's Houston, but but Texas in general, I think is is it's it's a hotbed, man. There's just oh, yeah. there's just a lot of a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of a lot of talent. Yeah. Since you since you yeah. play for Dusty, he just got the ring. Give give me your favorite Dusty memory, funny yep. story, funny whatever so, Dusty moment you want to share with him. Okay, so I, I don't. You guys probably don't know Dusty, but he he's so he's like as good of a player's manager as you're gonna find, right? Like he he thinks he's still a player. Okay, so, <laughs> it, it, and he was a damn good player, right? Yeah. Like we can all yeah. we can all agree on that. He's one of the few managers, not not taking away from anybody else, but he was as one of the better players that that is that is currently a manager, right? Yep. Um. So I'm in Cincinnati, and this is like my probably my second or third year in the big leagues. I can't remember exactly, but and I'm not playing every day. I'm kind of like our utility guy, like mixing and matching. So I'm on the bench a lot, like paying attention to the games. And and Dusty and I are pretty close, but like. He calls me in his office one day, and this is like a Tuesday, man. There's like nothing going on or whatever, and 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 I'm like, yeah, what's up, Skip? You know what's going on? And he's like, hey, man, I feel like you're you're you're, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to make moves in the game, like bring a pitcher in or whatever the case might be, make a decision. And I feel like you're looking at me during the game, like you're kind of, and he's what he's insinuating. He's like, I feel like you're kind of questioning what I'm doing. And I was like, it, like immediately, I'm like, oh crap, man, this ain't good. Like he's kind of <laughs> pissed off right now. And uh, and so I tell him, like, it just came out. I'm like, hey, man, I've I, I just been with you for a couple of years. I just, you know, I'm just I just feel like I know what you're going to do in a lot of situations before you do it. Like and and he just flipped script like right away. And he's like, that's the shit I'm talking about. He's like, you're paying- <laughs> he's, he's, he's like so you're, you're thinking with me. And I'm like, yeah, man, I guess like on accident, you know what I mean? And And so it flipped from like him being pissed off to him being like, so then the next question he asked me, he's like, Hey man, do you ever want to make, do you ever want to manage in the big leagues? And I was like, dude, I'm like my second year in the big leagues. I hadn't even, I'm not even saying I'm a radar. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe I don't, I probably not, man. I don't, I don't know is what I said. And he's like, he tells like immediately he goes right back to it. He's like me neither, but look, look at me. One of the best ever. <laughs> and I was like, I was, dude, I was, I was dying, and it, it's honestly, it's kind of like a microcosm for Dusty because it's, it's, you know, up and down, and like he's just a, like I said, he's a guy's guy, player's manager. You know, when we're talking about food here, everywhere you go in the country, I don't care where you are, like he has a spot, right? <laughs> and, and and he brings food into the clubhouse and stuff. And anyway, I, I, I love the guy, but that that's kind of that might for me personally, that's my best Dusty story because. I thought I was getting ready to 
get sent out to Louisville to go back to AAA because he was pissed <laughs> off at me. And, and then he was like, hey, man, I think you might manage in the big leagues one day. <laughs> oh, that's a 180. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so anyway, he's good people, man. Like I said, I'm happy for him. He's doing good, and, and, and I still get to see him a little bit, so it's good. That's good. Man, a couple more quick ones before we let you go, Paul. Man, um, you mentioned Japan winning the WBC. You know, you had the Shohei Trout moment, which them yeah, as, yeah, ang- yeah. Them, them mm-hmm. as angels, that's the first time maybe the, anybody's seen them on any kind of stage because yep. we never see them. But being a guy who played the game, who's been around the game, who's seen greats do their thing, when you see Shohei doing what he's doing, what you know do you and the guys think of a guy that's able to play every day and then every fifth day, legit pitch? I mean, yeah. So I think it's it's the single best example of of uh, people don't understand what is actually transpiring. Okay. Like I, I'm just telling you, like people that get to the big leagues at all, obviously that's a tremendous feat. Okay. But we're talking about a guy that is arguably in the top five or six pitchers in the league, like out of everybody and arguably one of the top, I don't know, eight to 12 hitters. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not a real thing, man. So like to, for him to be able to be doing what he's doing, first of all, I think again, it's great for the game. It's it, outside of the physical ability that he's got. And I don't know Shohei personally, right? I don't, I, I admire him from afar, but the mental makeup that that guy has, has to be, you know, super unique. Right. And um, I, I just, it's, it's really fun to watch. I don't think that people give enough credit to what, what is actually what they're seeing. And it's no different than Trout, right? Like he's putting up these ridiculous numbers doing it and on the West coast. So a lot of people don't, he doesn't get a ton of attention just from the, take the, how the team's performance is out of it. He doesn't get as much attention just because he's on the West Coast. But what Shohei's doing is – it's just cool, man. And, and my favorite thing is when people were like, yeah, this guy the MVP, that guy the MVP. Like, it, for me, like, dude, it's not close, man. You, you're talking about a guy that does both as it, it, good. Like, at the top of the game, it's just not – it's not even real. It, it's like a, a joke about it. He's like a video game player, man. <laughs> for sure. For sure. You mentioned Dusty knowing all the food spots everywhere y'all went. You personally, what's your favorite city and your favorite park that you played in? So, man, that's a good question. I uh, I think my favorite city, maybe during – it's got to be during the summer now, but my favorite city might be Chicago. Mm. It's a really, really good spot. Now, you can have it during the winter, but it, it, it's, yeah. a, it's, a good, it's a good spot during the summer. Um, but my favorite ballpark – I don't know. I, I, I like playing in St. Louis. Um, I think it's got the one of those deals where it's like a new – it's an old-school feel at a with some new amenity-type field, you know. Um, but that, it, it's hard to say. I, I don't know. Those are a couple of – and take into account, those are a couple of stadiums I played at the most, right? And yeah. It, uh, it's, it, it's a cool – it'd be tough. So, I don't know, man. Toronto's pretty cool, too. Y'all ever been to Toronto? Toronto's a good spot. No, I've heard it's awesome, though. I have not. I've heard this a lot yeah. of y'all need, things. Y- y'all need to go check it out, man. I got to come down to your city and get some food. I got to come to Houston for a Rocket <laughs> game and all that. I got to go to Toronto for sure, for sure. Hey, man, you come you come down to Houston. I got I got a couple. I got like a barbecue spot for you. I got a, a Mexican spot for you. We'll go we'll go check it in a Rockets game. We'll check it out. Man, sounds good. <laughs> and the last one I got, man, the, the nastiest pitchers that you ever stepped in the box against, to where you like you know it's going to be a tough AB, man. 
So this is always something that's it's hard to answer, right? But for me, it's like you can enter a couple of different like back into the bullpen guys. So like, mm. when, like for me, when Kenley Jansen was right, like when he was younger and like, like was just getting going and was like really doing it. Like he was for me, he was he was as as good as anybody. I also had the opportunity to face Chapman when he was throwing. Like I actually played. I mean, we played together in Cincinnati, and then I was in Atlanta and we faced him. And at that time, you know, he was doing the hundred to one hundred and four deal. Um, that that that's a tough that's a tough gig at that point when he was right. Like, there's velocity is a little more prevalent now. There's you got you got a bunch more guys you know throwing up triple digits, but at that time there wasn't quite as many. So it was I don't know one of those two guys. But 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 make no mistake, dude. Any of those guys closing games in the big leagues, like their 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 stuff is is legit, man. And you, like I said, listen to y'all's episode four. Y'all talking about Kinley as a catcher, which was that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was, it was funny. Okay. He couldn't hit, but he could still throw. Yeah, unbelievable, man. Paul, appreciate you hopping on here, watching your youngin play, and and talking yep. some baseball, talking some Reds with us. Uh, wish you all the best on the podcast, you and Dickerson, and we have to get you back on here sometime and and chop it up with you again, man. No, man, I appreciate y'all having me. And, yeah, holler at me when y'all – we'll do it again at some point down the road, catch up a little bit on, on what's going on up there in that part of the country. Farm to the show, part of the Believe Podcast Network, just like us. Subscribe to that one. Give it a five-star rating. Listen to it just like you listen to us, and you'll be glad that you did, man. Thank you so much, Yanni, man. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one, man. Yeah. Nice to see you. Y'all be good, all right, folks? Hey, appreciate man. it. Thanks again. See you. Paul Yanish, former Red, Brave, and Oreo, giving us a little baseball talk because this podcast will drop opening day. And, you know, Reds fans, hop on here and, and get your little baseball fix. And we'll finish out with some spring football fixing and, and nothing really happened, nothing really to talk about. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they're all. Uh... There's no leaders. Uh, they are entitled. Yeah, that was a. Uh, so Jalen, as a former Mark Stoops guy, is he just trying to light a fire under their asses, or is he serious, or both? Both. Uh, you know, it was both. If you know, I mean, we were we were damn two and ten. So I've been a part of a couple of those conversations. <laughs> you know, as much as that pains me to say. It's um, funny because real quick, I remember I wasn't there, but there was a press conference in 2013, I think, before the season, and you could still find it on YouTube. And you, it was almost the exact same, same press conference, and that was year one. So not yeah. much has changed. Yeah, I mean, he, I think, I think they have better leadership than what he may have portrayed. You know, a lot of times coaches get, you know, they don't like the leadership um, when guys aren't executing. You know, then it becomes a leadership problem because okay, why aren't we executing? Not saying that they don't they don't have any leaders because I think the quarterback's going to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard JJ Weaver has been a good leader, um, but you know sometimes sometimes when it rains it pours when it comes to miscues and practice and spring ball. You know, just guys not in the right position, guys you know maing missed assignments. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so. You know, I think it's one of those things. He was, you know, I'm sure they had a, a bad practice, obviously. And, you know, he just want guys to be more consistent in their leadership is what I'm assuming. That's usually where it is. You know, 
guys be more consistent and okay when it's going bad don't allow it to go too bad you know grab guys by the neck and you know get guys in a you know on the right path so that's what he's that's what he's worried about and he and I think he's he's probably sending a message to the quarterback as well now it's a tough deal because I've been in a situation where you transfer to a school it's tough to just go right in and just like you know start telling guys what to do and leading you kind of want to prove it on your own first you kind of want to prove to your you know to yourself and to your teammates that you are worthy of being a leader right it's hard to go right in and start leading um you know so and from what uh you know from what Cohen said he's not a fiery guy anyway uh mm-hmm. speaking of uh Leary so you know kind of that could kind of come off as you not being a leader I wasn't a fiery vocal guy either but I'm always going to be in the weight room at the right time. Always going to be on the field at the right time. Always doing the right thing, right? I'm leading by example, mm-hmm. but there is a time and a place where you need to be more vocal. Uh, so that'll come with the experience and being around the guys. A lot of times in the summer when you're getting drunk with guys and you know y'all hanging out doing what y'all do in the summer, that's when you start get close with. I mean, that's just the reality of it. That's when you start <laughs> you know, building a good a, a good bond with some of those guys. So. You know that'll come. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's as big as maybe they made it out to be. But you know, at least we hope not. You know, if it is, yeah. then that could be an issue. Um, at least we hope not. So I'm sure uh, was it Ray Davis. Um, yes, JJ Weaver, uh, Leary, uh, Jagger, Eli. I mean, I'm sure those guys are. You know, they're, they're. I'm sure they're doing a good job of doing what they need to do. Right. It's just the vocal piece that he's wanted somebody to step up because you, I mean, you just lost from what I'm hearing mm-hmm. from in the program, obviously one of the best quote unquote vocal leaders that they've had in a while with Levis. So you're not replacing that overnight. You know, that takes time. Sure. Man. I mean, especially if he's, do, if he did it at a level that people are saying that he did it, I wasn't in the building, so I don't know. But if that's the case, then it's tough as a coach. Cause I've been there as a coach. When you lose a guy who was a great leader, and you got good leaders, but you don't have that one guy who's just going to get everybody, you know, where they need to be. And that, that comes with time. So I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's time to panic or anything. Uh, I think that. Nah. And it, Levis didn't just transfer from Penn State and start jerking guys up and yelling either. He came in late, but it, it took a little time for him to just show that he was the great leader that he was and had in him all along. Ray Davis is transferred in also. Right now, Eli Cox might be that guy until, you know, Leary slides on in Mm -hmm. and and Davis slide on in and kind of become more established and, and kind of get a feel of what this program is about. Yeah, I would agree. I would say Eli on the offensive side of the ball and D, uh, DJ, JJ on the on the defensive side of the ball are probably the two guys you look at. And, you know, Eli talked a lot on Saturday, I believe, mm-hmm. is when that whole thing happened about how, man, it's hard in college football now with the, the roster turnover is more than ever. So many new players and, you know, getting acquainted and obviously, you know, Devin being the quarterback, you know, it's going to take time. I, I think Will – I think the big outside of, you know, 
Will Levis and, and Devin Lear are just very different people. That's just how it's been interacting with them. Uh, and I think just as quarterbacks too, but you know, you talk about rah-rah guy per se, that is not Devin Leary. And I think it was Will Levis. And that's probably taking some getting used to for the receivers, getting used to in the locker room, getting used to for Mark Stoops. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a knock on Devin, but until, you know, Devin does fully take over that room and it sounds like he is leading by example and, no one has said what I haven't heard a negative word about him as a person or player yet, um, which is always a good sign. So that's going to take time. But I do think Eli Cox, you know, being a senior uh, guy who's played a lot in two different positions. He's from Kentucky. He understands this program probably as good as anyone on the team. And then same thing with JJ on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's actually uh, he might be in his fifth year at Kentucky, redshirted his freshman year. Same with Eli. So, you know, they've been around the block. They're both from this state. They understand uh, the culture when it's at its best. Obviously, both were part of that 10-win team, you know, two years ago. Um, so those are probably the guys you lean towards to kind of take this team until it becomes Devin Leary, until it becomes Ray Davis, who I think <laughs> if you listen to that guy talk, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a leader if he's not already. And Mark Stoops is kind of just – trying to trying to motivate when he's saying they have none so um I, i'm not too worried I, and the other thing about this too and i'm sure you could attest to this shaylen it's much way it's much better to have this problem now on march 29th than it would be you know if it were august 29th uh, and and you're you know toward the end of uh of summer ball so it, it's okay they'll be fine yeah they'll be fine and we're not you know when the players are talking about how Devin Leary's car is always at the facility. Yes. The facility. That to me, that's the epitome of leadership. You know, yep. the focal stuff is good, man. But look, this is how it goes in sports. And I'm sure y'all know this, but just for the people who listen to this, when you're 10 and 2, right? Leadership is leadership, you know, whatever, right? The guy's showing up on time, he's working hard, but he's not vocal but he's doing the right things where people can follow. When you're two and 10, that's not enough. So leadership is not enough. That's not like being semi-vocal, but doing the right thing all the time. Always, you know, being the hardest worker, doing the right thing in the weight room, classroom, field, whatever. That's not enough when you're on a team that's not successful. So people talk about it all the time, right? Nobody talked about Marcus Mariota's leadership coming out of Oregon. Because he was right. winning, Marcus Mariota doesn't talk, and I know guys who know him. He he he's a he's a quiet guy, but nobody talked about his leadership coming out. Right, that wasn't a big deal. You may have heard some people say something about it, but it wasn't a big deal because he won football games. He was a Heisman. He went out. Yeah, he won a Heisman, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yes, he did. Yeah, he, he was a, yeah. he was a Heisman Trophy winner. So nobody talked about it, right? And he was on a team that made it to the national championship game. So leadership wasn't topic of conversation even though the guy don't talk much at all but now that he's in the nfl he's on terrible teams they're looking you know you can hear his mm -hmm. coach say we we're looking for our guys to lead 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 yeah because the team is losing so that's the thing it the, that leadership thing is fluid and it's fickle um because at the end of the day the, the foundation of leadership is leading by example Right, you got kids, you got people who look up to you. They want to see you do it. You can't tell them you're going to do it. They want to see it. So when you're doing that, to me, that's really great leadership. Now it pay, like it's a plus. It's extra credit to be a super vocal guy, right? And that's what most people 
are looking for, you know. Uh, so, you know, that thing is, you know, if we if they got to have, you know, great practices from here on out and they go in the season and have a great season, offense does great. But uh, David Leary is Marcus Mariota. He doesn't say much. They're going to say at the end of the season that we had a great leader at quarterback because they won games. So that's that's what it's about, man, at the end of the day. People, you know, leadership changes based on how successful you're being, uh, you know, on, on the field, on the game, on the game site. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, again, I'm not I'm not going to like panic or anything based on what Stoop said the other day, uh, you know, and listening to Liam Cohen, they came back and had a pretty good practice. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's how the thing goes sometimes. And sometimes, you know, as a coach, you want to send a message via the media and get guys back on track. So I'm sure that's – I'm sure he used that, man, his chess out here. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good at that game. Uh, we saw it last year, obviously. So uh, we'll see how – we'll see how this Saturday is an open practice. So uh, we'll get and a better look and feel for it. They they announced that so late, man. I, yeah. I oh well, they they this was I think it was a month ago, but okay. they, oh, it was the time. Yeah, the time came out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because That's... this is your uh, this one's for fans. So I mean, I'll obviously get to go, but this one is like your spring game replacement. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. Yeah. And that that leadership, like you said, is fluid. You know. It's, it it has variables and movements and all that. You know it more so even than us, Jalen. When even if you're on a good team, and a guy who is considered a leader is hurt, it's hard for him to lead because he's not out there with you. He's not out right. there on the field with you. Yeah, you're still having a good season, but he's hurt, and so he's reluctant to lead feels like I can't really say anything because I'm not out there, you know, landing on the line with these guys. So he might be a great leader, but he's kind of he's kind of muted and kind of just rehabbing and kind of in his own little world on that island until he can yeah. get back out there. But yet he's a great leader, too. But yeah, so yeah, it, it, and people always say that because kind of what we just talked about when the guy is injured, your best vocal leader is injured. They say we need somebody to step up and lead. Why do they say that? They say that because your best vocal leader can't lead by example now, because he's not on the he's not on the grass. Vocal that's why they, leader lead yeah. by example though. It's they yeah. just they that's, that's why. They, yep, that's why they say that. You can have a guy. I mean, look, we've all been a part of teams and staffs and you know companies where we had leaders who weren't in, in position to lead. You know what I'm saying? Guys who were who weren't playing. <laughs> were the most vocal people in the world, but they weren't playing. So people don't really care at the end of the day. They want to, they want the guy that's the guy. They want him to be the leader. So when a guy's injured, that's why they always say we need somebody to step up and lead because that guy can't lead by example. He can't show you his leadership. He can't do what he need to do. So that's what that is. I'm sure they got guys out there doing the right thing all over the place. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think I think they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree with you. Larry will slide into it. You know, Tavian Robinson said he was like you, Jalen. I just lead by example. I'm not a rah rah guy. You know, so yeah. you got, and he's the guy. You know, he's the guy they need to bounce back both on and off the field too. I, I really liked what he was saying. Not to cut you off there, Vinny, but he's he. If you guys remember, he liked those tweets about Rich Scangarello, and then he met. <laughs> you know, he was 
out for senior day. He didn't walk and he wasn't necessarily injured and there was a lot going on. And, you know, I think that um, they kind of like Zavir Wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> except the foot, except Mark Stoops and his staff did a lot better kind of making it hiding that issue uh, where it was kind of public with severe, but um he they definitely you know he's a guy that didn't have the year he wanted to last year he didn't play for the guy he wanted to last year mm-hmm. and you know I really like that he was taking some accountability and um you know I, I, at the beginning beginning of camp Mark Stoops and Liam Cohen both kind of talked about how they've challenged him and how they really expect a lot from him on and off the field and it seems like he's taking that to heart so that was good to hear and yeah, I think he could no go ahead I was gonna say, even though he said he was a quiet guy he still said, you know, kind of going to make the most of his last run, his last year, yep. and pour everything he has into these young guys. So he, it's maybe not natural for him to do all that, but I'm going to give all of my knowledge and everything I've learned from playing in two schools and two different conferences to Dane, to Barryon, to these, you know, Anthony Brown. So he's going to leave his knowledge with them on the way. So he's, you know, sounds like he's going to do the right things and, and back in the fold and you know yeah i think uh i think he can and they're really pushing him because at the end of the day he has the most experience in the room and i think he yep. can um he can add that extra you know experienced you know that 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 what's the word i'm looking for um kind of well-rounded depth that they mm-hmm. need because i'm sure he's a guy he seemed like a guy who can play multiple positions you can move him around if need be. Uh, and they want, you know, I, I don't know if he'll be a guy that starts. Just my opinion. I don't think he will. But I think he'll be a guy who, you know, rotates and they can trust to do anything. They can trust to run any route from any position. They can move him around. They can game plan where he's, you know, bouncing around just in case he's the second guy at X. He's the second guy at H. He's the second guy at Z. Right? Whatever that may be if he's doing what he need to do. Uh, but I do think they have guys behind Dane and Barry on that are more talented than, than, than uh, Robinson. I, I think yeah. uh, they'll try to get those guys in the field. Cause at the end of the day, those guys are younger. They'll have more years to play at. Kentucky. And they don't want them to hit that portal. <laughs> yeah. That, that matters to coaches. Yeah. You know, they got to get those guys on the field. So, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens and I'm sure they're playing the game right now. Let's make sure Tavion knows that, you know, he's not on the he's not on our back burner. He's getting reps in spring. Yes. But when the season comes around, our young guys are gonna play. And just so we don't, you know, don't allow him to transfer uh pre August. You know, yeah. so he can he can he can start the season and play with us and we can have that depth that we want. So I'm excited to see how how it goes, man. I'm excited to see, yeah. you know, that room. Because like I said, and I heard somebody else say this the other day, this may be the most talented and a mix of talent and a mix of uh, experience that Kentucky has had since I've been watching them. Uh, um, you know, so just from top to bottom. You know, there's been years where Kentucky had two really good guys or mm-hmm. one really good guy. But from top to bottom, this is the most complete receiver room that I've seen. Um, from Kentucky, so I think that's really important. Uh, it, it could be another. It could be a quarterback room that's pretty complete too, depending on how those guys develop. I'm anxious to see. That's why I really would like to watch practice on Saturday because uh, I would really love to see. Um, I really love to see those guys at practice. But 
uh, we'll, we'll see how that position is developing because they they need that a lot. So I think they'll be fine up front. You know, with the amount of guys they can play multiple positions, uh, I think I think they'll end up being yeah. fine. Yeah, we'll, I think it's we'll gone better. I think it's gone better this spring than it did, you know, uh, obviously last year. Uh, I think moving to Jaguar Center is really going to help because Eli is definitely a guard. Um, he didn't play bad per se, but he definitely he wasn't as effective at center as he was uh, at guard. And then, you know, the receiver room, you know, it is so loaded. And th that's the reason Tavion, I think, is kind of the X factor in that room, though, is because they are it, it's such a young you forget how young it is because Dane and Barion were so good last year, but they're only sophomores. You know, the next oldest guy in the room, if I'm not mistaken, is Dekel Crowdis as a redshirt sophomore. So it is a really, really young room. I think Anthony Brown's a guy and Brendan White are both having really good camps. You know, Jordan Anthony, he's kind of the speedster, but, you know, he's not even with the team right now. He's doing track. So he, he might fall behind a little bit, uh, the guys who are you know, with the team this spring. So, but that wide receiver room is ridiculously talented. You just got to keep it healthy. And uh, you obviously want, uh, uh, excuse me, Dane and Barry on to take the next steps, which I think is just gaining some muscle, getting stronger. So uh, you can win some of those 50-50 battles against some really good SEC corners. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Cole Kubelik on, that, on his Cube show that was talking about the Kentucky's room uh, wide yeah. receivers death yeah, i've been right. watching i think 30 years you know when that's back when he was playing at auburn still yeah. kind of keeping up with what kentucky was doing and, and the room has never been that deep and, and i think that was a guy that said the similar thing and i mean he's he's you know covering kentucky games he's, they're always there like this see network him and tom hart and all those guys are always there and so that was it was cool to hear you know his observations you know somebody kind of from the outside looking in familiar with the program, but, you know, got a good handle on what's going on to hear him kind of say some of the things he was saying about what the offense could potentially be. Yeah. 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 So that, that was definitely where I heard it. I'm also interested to see what happened in the running back room because um, mm -hmm. you had a couple of guys, you know, that they, you know, they, they're going to want reps, man. And, you know, that, yeah. that portal is coming open soon. So, um, you know, I'm anxious to see what happens. You know, I'm sure I, I pretty much know that they're going to dive into the, the portal and get a quarterback and running back after spring. Um, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if they didn't have to. Um, just, just you know, just natural man with the yeah. portal. Now. It's just going to happen. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, but uh, I would. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would say the two positions that are going to be guarantees that they add are going to be corner. Uh, an inside linebacker. I think the corner because no one's necessarily emerged as, you know, a true cornerback one. And then you got, you know, there's, it's a really, really young room and every year it seems to work out. So I'm not going to doubt it, but uh, we saw them last year, obviously go out and get Keedron Smith. They were added Jordan Robinson who, you know, kind of redshirted last year to transition to the D one level. I think he'll play some this year. Uh, they added Zion Childress, who's obviously going to be a huge part uh, at the safety position. Uh, but corner, I think is one position that you're probably going to look to add one more guy there. And then inside linebacker, I mean, they have two studs. We we know that Trevin Wallace, I think, is going to be an All SEC caliber guy, and D Jack, Derek Jackson, could be as well. But behind them, man, it, it's thin. I mean, Luke, when Luke Fulton came here, and he's probably linebacker three or, or four, uh, he was a preferred walk on. So they're going to need, um, they're they're going to need another 
another body in that room because we saw what happened when DeAndre, you know, with DeAndre at Square and uh, Jacquez Jones getting hurt last year. You, right now, that's probably the one room you cannot afford an injury in, and that is a demanding position where injuries happen. So I think they're going to want to have a security blanket there. But yeah, I think if one of those running backs hit the portal, um, I really think Ray Davis is obviously not going anywhere. Um, it's going to be really interesting because you have Ramon Jefferson lurking. Uh, obviously, he's coming back from his his injury. Um, I don't even know how it works with him because he's in like his fourth school. I, I would assume he's going to stay. So it kind of be Juton McLean and Lavelle Wright uh, being the guys to watch there. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere, but who knows? Um, and then receiver uh you, you never know at receiver man every team needs them and if you don't feel like you're getting enough reps it could easily lead to a transfer and then i would see yeah kentucky would definitely want to add one um a, as insurance if they do lose one so it's going to be really interesting but i definitely think uh when you're talking transfer at the end of spring ball here uh inside linebacker and corner are the two positions that are i would be shocked if they don't add because uh they need them and those are solid running backs. I mean, we 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 yeah. know what Davis can do, and you have another one coming in. Don't forget yeah. that too. So, and you, y'all know this. You you think you got plenty of depth at a position, and then well, we thought you had a lot of running back depth last year. Right. Sus- suspension. Jefferson gets hurt, and boom, boom, boom. That room's kind of thin. It was a mess. So, if guys look, and easy for me to say, but sometimes you just just hang tight sometimes i know and look you you might bump into more playing time than you expect even though it looks like maybe there's no place for you to get on the field blink and next thing you know you don't wish right. injury on anybody you don't wish suspension on anybody but that kind of thing some it's just the way it is you can oh hey i'm i'm up here at the top of the depth chart now i'm it's him or me now <laughs> and i was for Kavassier smoke with R, was RB five during spring practice last year, and he was the opening day starter. I mean, that, see, they, yeah. they, but you just never know. Just, and just the think they gotta that, go. Yeah, know? and the other room, I'm really curious to see how that goes. Is is tight end because it's it's really funky right now because you have three guys out: Caddis, Bates, and uh, and Dingle aren't participating in spring. They're all recovering from surgery. So it's Isaiah Cummings and the and the freshman Kamari Anderson. And I'll I'll tell you what, I, at the spring practice, I saw. Uh, I think two weeks ago now, uh, Kamari Anderson is, he does not look like a true freshman at all. Uh, that dude, uh, I think is a guy who kind of similarly to Caddis could be a guy who's ready to play year one. So I do wonder what that means for a guy like Isaiah Cummings, who um, had an up and down practice. The one I got to see, obviously he's a guy who had a ton of success with Liam Cohen, uh, didn't catch a pass last year. It's just kind of a really weird situation for him. So I, I, that's one to watch for me. Um, but it's crazy though with the transfer portal, man. It's going to be a whole nother free agency period here. I think May first it opens to kind of give you know fifteen days to think about it and all that, and you'll start hearing right away who's going to leave. They just can't officially enter till the first. So, uh, I, you're you're going to see, man. It, it, that's just how it goes. Like guys like D Beckwith who hasn't really found a role. Uh, those type of guys, man, they're all on the chopping block and they're going to have decisions to make. And yeah. remember, sometimes the coaches. They don't push them out, but they kind of say, look, yeah, you're not going to really have a role here. It's probably best for you to hop in the portal. Remember, you know, Mark Stoops made it, made the quarterback decision in 20, 
21 early, knowing that they were going to go with Will Levis so Gatewood could hop in the portal and find a job. And I, and I think that's commendable by, commendable by coaches to do yeah. that uh, because a lot of coaches wouldn't do that. So mm-hmm. the coaches that do that, um, I, you know, I, I like that. That's that's commendable. But I think, again, the scary thing is for the receivers, man. If mm-hmm. you're that number three, four, or five receiver, you know that the, 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 the third receiver at Kentucky – it's not better than the first or second tight end at Kentucky right now, in my opinion. No. Uh, so, what you know, there's going to be a lot of 12 personnel. Exactly. 11, 11, yep. They're going to base out of 11, period. Yeah. Right? 11 personnel, is they're going to they're gonna rarely be in 10 personnel. Now, I heard they've been repping 10 personnel, which is four receivers, which is one running back, no tight ends, four receivers, because they don't have tight ends right now in spring ball. And I don't think, you know – Isaiah Cummins is going to be that guy that's going to help you in the run game. Um, he's more of a tight, he's more of a pass catcher at a tight end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, I do believe that uh, you know, again, it's always it's always that that balance, man. And they're gonna play 10 personnel a little bit, mostly 11 and mostly 12, some 13, if I had to guess. Very probably very little, because you don't want to take Barry on and, and Dane off the field at the same time, but mm-hmm. They're going to play 11 to 12 personnel is what they're going to base out of. So um, if you're that third, fourth, fifth receiver, especially the fourth and fifth guy, you know, you're not going to get many snaps. That's just the reality of it. You're not going to get many catches. Um, it's just the reality because you got Caddis, who's, a, who's you know, from what I'm hearing from everybody and what we've seen last year, he's a guy who can start at a lot of places. Um, you know, uh, Dingle, a guy who, I mean, he is a starter. Um, and what's the other one? I'm missing one. Uh, Bates, Bates. Mm-hmm. yeah, who you know is a, is a is a you know he's a vet, so he he's he's going to be on the field. So you know it's 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 a balance, man. You got guys who uh they have to make a decision at tight end, at receiver. Put it like this: it's just nowadays you got to make a decision at every position. Every position they're going to have guys. They're going to have six guys lead. Uh, you know, hopefully not more than that, but they're going to have guys lead because it's just at the end of the day, guys want to play. You know, and you can't really blame them. Um, they want to find somewhere to play. And, you know, it's easy to fall in love with Kentucky. The food is good. Campus is nice. Girls look good and everything like that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, you go to college to play football, to, to play football, to get on the field. So we'll see what happens, man. I think uh, just inevitably you're going to have, you know, guys exit stage left. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's just just part of it, you know. It always seems shocking, especially to the fans. Oh no, oh, but that's just that's just part of it nowadays. Sure is. Yeah. Any other news and nuggets, AG man? We covered everything. Yeah, I think we covered everything on the football front. I'll have more for y'all Saturday um, after I get to see him a little bit, and uh, hopefully uh, it'll be a good practice. They put on a good show for. <laughs> You know, last year, like I said, the two open practices we saw, we it was very, very clear the offense was going to be, uh, be what it kind of ended up being. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, so, I mean, last year they had to tell the defense to calm down a little bit. Mm. So, uh, I, I don't think we're going to have that problem again. The offense looked a lot better when I saw him two weeks ago. So, hopefully, it'll be another good day uh, for both sides of the ball, and especially the offensive side, just because that's where the problems were last year. Exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. So 
Final Four. I know you you rocking with the Owls right there. Hell yeah! I, I don't I don't <laughs> actually think they're gonna win. I just think UConn is kind of that team that is hot right now, and they you know they were preseason number two. It kind of it, it just kind of feels like UConn's year. But I, I mean, I, I definitely think FAU could beat San Diego State. There's no doubt in my mind on that. So yeah, it's unbelievable. Cool. This Final Four is just straight unbelievable. I mean, outside of UConn, I I I, I know UConn's a four seed, but I still. I don't consider them an incredible story just because they were preseason number two. They started 15-0. and 0. So, uh, you know, I'll take UConn out of it. But to have, you know, Miami, FAU, and San Diego State is is bonkers. And, look, I hear a lot of people saying it's bad for college basketball. I think they're out of their minds. Yeah, I, I think, think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I see a lot of people talking about, you know, I saw somebody post that, you know, you kind of want your blue bloods to be playing at this time. I'm like, man, with this transfer portal and everything going on, uh, with the parity, and I told y'all, I think it was the last show, that you're going to see the same thing in football, not to this yeah, extent. Yeah, it's coming. I look not at TCU. This look at TCU. Yeah. Not, not to, obviously not to this extent. You're not going to see a San Diego State do anything in football in the right. playoffs, but you're going to see – You're going to start – might come back. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going you're to start to see these blue bloods in football taking a, a dip, man. I'm telling you, you're going to see them take a dip. Look, Texas ain't been back since. I know Sam Ellinger got on stage and told him we're back. Texas ain't been back. Texas ain't back. Uh, look, I mean, Clemson has taken a nosedive a little bit. I think they'll be mm-hmm. back this year. I got Clemson making the playoffs. Got the quarterback being a Heisman candidate this year, too. Um, but, you know, you're going to see some blue bloods fall. I got I, whoever, you know, I got. I think it's going to be UConn or uh, Miami, in my opinion, winning the National Championship in basketball this year. Um, you know, I, I'm probably going to roll the dice with UConn if I had to put money on it. But I love it, man, because if you're if you're a kid, you know, that played college basketball in 2009, you kind of like, man, I wish I played in this era for multiple reasons. Obviously, NIL, but for, you know, the second reason is naturally you just get more players to your school now because guys are going to transfer so, you know, you got guys, you got guys leaving left and right from the University of North Carolina, you know, because the transfer portal is available. Who knows? They may go to a, you know, a Providence or, you know, something like that where you get, you know, a school like that, make a run next year. I just think it's cool because, you know, a lot of those teams and those schools have been counted out so many years that it's good that they finally get a chance to play on this stage. It makes it more competitive. It makes it more fun. It makes it where you can't turn your eyes during tournament time because, you know, uh, San Diego State may make a run and, and get to the Final Four like they did this year. So I think it's really good for the sport, honestly. Yeah. I'm, and, you know, typically your Cinderella's don't get this far. This year they did. So no disrespect to Aaron's home state. I know you're from <laughs> Connecticut, but I'm – I'm just like anybody I'm but for, and I am too. I am too. But you can FAU, San Diego State, Miami. I'm gonna test my Connecticut geography. No disrespect to New Britain, no disrespect to New Haven, no disrespect to Hartford, no disrespect to Waterbury. I think that's the only Connecticut towns I can name. Oh Bristol. <laughs> oh, Bristol and stores too. No disrespect to none of nothing from the nutmeg state where you're from, Aaron, but I you know. And it's crazy. UConn is, if they win, it'll be their fifth title in the last 
25 years or so. Yeah, they're t they're getting on blue blood status. But the non-title years, they are they're bad. But Yeah. they they like win a title, suck a while, win a title, suck, win a title, suck. But I'm I mean, they won't trade those five in at all, and you can't blame them. But it's you know it's, you know they beat. It's just weird how uh, a dude I was talking with my on my other podcast. He said they're kind of like the Marlins. They they win and then they, you don't hear from them for a while, and then they'll compete and win another one, and then you don't hear from them for a while. It's just it's just a weird little thing they got going on up there. Yeah, I, I was totally, totally wrong with this bracket. <laughs> My bracket was like, I, I was pretty good the first round. But after that, man, because I had a couple upsets. I'm I'm an optimistic guy when it comes to, you know, lower seeds upsetting, you know, good teams. And um, but after that, man, I I was because I thought Houston would last. I thought I thought Bama would win it all. Um, and man, you know, I, I was dead wrong. So. But again, it's good for the sport. Uh, I'm anxious to see what I'm telling y'all. You know, I want y'all to remember this date, man. I want y'all to remember this. In football season, you're going to see some of the same things. I'm telling you, you're going to see some of the same things. There's some really good football players that's transferring to schools that are group of five and whatever. Some really good players, man. So you're going to see, you're going to start to see the same thing. And for now, I think it's, you know, for the fans, you can really like kind of have an NFL type perspective. You don't know what's going to happen on a Sunday in the league because all the games come down to the wire, seem like, and it's all good on good. You don't have a a Vanderbilt, you know, in the NFL. Some mm -hmm. now I take that back. You know, some years you, <laughs> uh, you know, you may have a Texas or somebody, but you don't have a lot of them. You know, it's usually one or two teams in the league that you know that you can probably beat if you are the Bengals or the Chiefs. But outside of that. You better bring it on any given Sunday, right? Because mm -hmm. they're gonna beat you. So I think college football is starting to move that way, man. So the transfer portal, <laughs> it, it comes out to be not all that bad. I know we talked about it a lot. Coaches don't like it as much. I think they're starting to adapt, and I think it's uh, it's one of those things where we're gonna be extremely, extremely uh, excited to do podcasts in the fall because we're gonna have so much fun to talk about mm -hmm. or so much stuff to talk about when it comes to teams upsetting teams. I really do believe that. Uh, especially in the Pac-12, especially in the Big 12, especially in the, you know, ACC is always kind of up and down. Uh, but even in the SEC this year, watch out for Arkansas beating LSU, yep. Mississippi State beating good teams. Mm -hmm. Texas A&M going to beat some good teams this year because they got talent. Uh, you know, even, you know, obviously Kentucky, Missouri, you know, keeping in there with some good teams because they're going to get guys. They're going to get good players from other schools. So we'll see what happens, man. That's right. All that'll be here before we know it. Like I said, we have fun talking about that. We have fun talking about this one today. Gave everybody a little different perspective. Hit a little baseball in there and had a cool guest. So thanks to Paul Giannis for hopping on. Appreciate Jalen, AG, y'all bringing y'all's knowledge each and every week. So another fun episode. Y'all go to Believe.com. Subscribe to Believe in Kentucky. Give us the little five stars. Uh, same thing, farm to the show. Uh, Paul Giannis, Chris Dickerson talking Reds. Y'all would definitely enjoy that as well. So appreciate everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed it. And look, you said we'll be back next week to do it all again. We'll talk Final Four, spring football. Uh, opening day is tomorrow. So have some MLB to talk about. All kind of good stuff. NBA playoffs are coming. So y'all keep it locked right here. 
I believe in Kentucky. Be right back next week. Do the same thing. See you back later. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.